Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Unbothered. Hope you all had a great weekend. There was a lot of football, a lot happening, some insane comebacks from the Dolphins, the Cardinals that I'm going to get into, uh, Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Saints, Trey Lance out for the year. There's a lot to get into. Then tonight, big Monday night football games, Titans-Bills, Vikings-Eagles. I'm going to get into both, as well as my reaction to the newest AP poll in college football. So let's kick it off with the first of tonight's doubleheader Monday night football games. The first being the Tennessee Titans going against the Buffalo Bills. We get another primetime game between these two teams. Titans have beat the Bills uh, the previous two times. And they both have been very memorable. Two years ago, Derrick Henry, the stiff arm, the infamous stiff arm on Josh Norman. That's what we got two years ago. Only had, you know, 80 yards, two touchdowns, but it was the stiff arm and the tight ends dominated the Bills. Last year, one of his best games ever played the Buffalo Bills and had 143 yards and three touchdowns. Was simply great last year, but the Buffalo Bills could not stop Derrick Henry. But what happens? The Bills, you know, they got demolished a lot last year against the run. They've added, you know, defensive tackles. Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle in free agency. Also added Von Miller on the edge to make this a tougher defensive line. It worked last week. They limited the Rams to 52 rushing yards. But I think a big byproduct of that was... You know, is simply two things. One is, you know, the the Los Angeles Rams like to throw the football. That is their mo. Throw the ball downfield to Cooper Cup and their wide receivers, uh, and you know, get it going that way. That's what the Rams do. Uh, and then last week as well, getting down behind early. In the second half, they were more inclined to throw the football than run the football. Cam Akers, of course, did not look good. Neither did Daryl Henderson. But the Bills are now getting the best of the best. They are getting the best running back, Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry had a good tune-up last week. You know, only 85, 86 yards wasn't great, Uh Giants defense has been improved with Wink Martindale coming over from uh, the Ravens over to the Giants, and that helped them. But Derrick Henry got a game under his belt. Now the matchup is Derrick Henry, Bills defensive line. This is, I think, a huge game that we're going to prove if this Bills defense is for real or not. Because the Rams, if it's not working with the run game, they're not going to keep doing it. That's very different from the Tennessee Titans. You know, they'll run the ball 10, 15 times with Derrick Henry. And if it's only getting three yards per carry, they're still going to run the ball with Derrick Henry. They're going to force the ball down your throat because they know people are going to get tired of tackling Derrick Henry. This is a Six foot three, two hundred and forty pound dude. That is tough to bring down. So the Titans are banking that you know they are going to tire your tire you out. You're not going to want to tackle this guy anymore. And then that's when he's going to rip off, you know, a big run or two. And I can see that happening tonight. Tennessee didn't have their best game last week against the Giants, and to me, it was a very shocking loss. They had control. They were up 13-0. to Let them come back. You know, got the touchdown to take the lead. And, you know, couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, 
you know, in the fourth quarter. And then the Giants give a touchdown, two point. They win the game. Tennessee loses. But I thought Tannehill was efficient. Wasn't great, but efficient. Uh, but you could tell on the defense, mere loss of Harold Landry was big, who led the team in sacks last year. So Tennessee, I think, matches up well with Buffalo. Buffalo, on the other hand, has a long break. Last time we saw them, they whooped the defending champions on Thursday Night Football to open up the season. Josh Allen and company are playing their home opener now in Orchard Park. The environment is going to be loud and raucous. It's going to be crazy. So how do you combat that loud environment? It's by running the football, controlling the clock, time of possession, not making any mistakes, not turning the football over. And I think Mike Vrabel, coach of the tight end, is preaching that to his players. He knows what he has to do to beat Buffalo. I think he's got a great formula to beat Buffalo. But we're going to see if these new additions, if they hold up against this Bills defensive line. There's still no Tredavious White. I want to see really how Traylon Burks, Robert Woods do in a big game, game time action. See, you know, if the Titans can keep up, keep up their winning streak. Uh, you know, they've won quite a bit of primetime games now. Uh, in a row, I believe they've won six, uh, you know, primetime games now in a row. It's great for them. Uh, Buffalo also dealing with uh, a potentially big injury. Gabriel Davis is listed as questionable with his ankle. That is a huge, huge out, you know, if he can't play. Because last week, a couple of uh, Josh Allen's interceptions, uh, it was an Isaiah McKenzie fluke. And then also Jamison Crowder working the slot when he was targeting Gabriel Davis. And Stephon Diggs, he had a perfect passer rating. So if Gabe Davis can't go, that is big. Expect a lot of um, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen running the football. But I think this is going to be a hard-nosed game. Last year came down to the wire. Three-point game, Josh Allen kind of slipped, you know, going for it on a fourth down. Jeffrey Simmons blew it up. Titans win by three points. It was an electric game. He also had the Julio Jones helmet catch on Monday night. So can Tennessee beat Buffalo again, or does Buffalo get the win? I think Titans get the win tonight. I'm predicting a Titans upset. I don't think Tennessee, Mike Vrabel, are happy about the outcome last week, even though we played a decent, efficient game. I think Derrick Henry... Plays great. Do I think he gets 150 yards, three touchdowns he did last year on Monday night against the Bills team? No, I do think the Bills defense is improved. But Derrick Henry is tough to bring down play after play. I think Tennessee wears Buffalo out a little bit. And as we saw last year, Buffalo had some great games. And then they laid some eggs. It was complete domination, laying eggs. So I want to see if it, they have bucked this trend or if it's still going to continue, I'm uncertain. I know what I'm getting from Tennessee. I'm questionable with Gabe Davis not being in. And the other receivers Josh Allen has to throw to. I think Tennessee squeaks it out again this year. Big effort from Derrick Henry. And the defense makes a big stop or two. I like Tennessee to win this game tonight. Time for other Monday night game. Vikings and Eagles. Big game tonight for both teams. Vikings are out to prove that last week's win against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers was not a fluke. It may take on the high-flying Philadelphia Eagles in this Monday night game in Philadelphia. Uh, can Justin Jefferson continue his streak? Can Philadelphia keep their strong run game going? And A.J. Brown, who was great last week as well. We will see tonight. And to me, the big storyline 
is, of course, Kirk Cousins, or as I like to call him, con artist Kirk, because in the big moments, that's when he'll flee. That's when he leaves your team. That's where he begins. MIA missing in action. And the big question is, will Kirk Cousins' Monday night football woes continue? He is 2-9 and nine in Monday night football games, both wins against the Bears, 2-9. and nine. In primetime games alone, he is 8-17. and 8-17, and, and that's combined with the Vikings and the Washington uh, Commanders, formerly known as the football team, formerly known as the Redskins. So can Kirk Cousins add a third win? To under his Monday night football belt. Because in previous games, other than the Bears, you know, he just plays all right, but he makes mistakes. He's turnover prone. Uh, he can't make the big plays. And the thing about Kirk Cousins is, when we talked about Russell Wilson, you know, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, they can come back and win football games. That's not the case with Kirk Cousins. He does not, you know, come back. When you need a two-minute drive to win the game, uh, down a touchdown or to tie the game, I don't really trust um, Kirk Cousins at all. I just don't. Uh, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to perform well when the lights are under him best in a hostile environment in Philadelphia. I do not see Kirk Cousins and Minnesota winning this game tonight. Last week, uh, Justin Jefferson was great. He was wide open a bunch. He had a lot of space to make plays. Uh, The Packers did a very bad job in coverage, covering Justin Jefferson. I think Philadelphia is going to take a much better approach, game plan, much better for Justin Jefferson. Nick Sirianni, coach of the Eagles, knows how good Justin Jefferson is, knows he's put up big numbers, says, you know, you know, they're fortunate to have him over there. Darius Slay complimenting Justin Jefferson uh, as well. Last week, we didn't see Justin Jefferson get a lot of double teams, have safety help over the top. I believe that changes tonight. I believe Philadelphia comes in with a great game plan to stop Justin Jefferson. And then offensively, I think Philly's going to run the ball well with Miles Sanders, with Jalen Hurts, like they did last week. I believe they can run. And then that opens up the play action, which is what they want to do with Jalen Hurts. A.J. Brown, who was just tremendous last week, 10 catches, 155 yards. Devontae Smith, not really targeted last week, didn't have a catch. I think he'll have a much bigger day tonight as well. And I like the Eagles to win this game. Uh, I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins. Again, prime time is not good. Uh, so, you know, Greg Joseph as well, uh, to me, he's not a great kicker. Uh, there's, to me, the Vikings are just a good team and that's that, you know, we don't really see, you know, good teams win Super Bowls. I think Philadelphia is also a good team, but I like their overall roster more than I like. Minnesota. I think Philly has a top five offensive line, much better than Minnesota. Their weapons are all great. Uh, The quarterbacks, to me, are the biggest question marks. Uh, Defensive front, front seven, I like Philadelphia's a touch more. And secondary, I like a lot more than Minnesota. Tonight, I could also see this being a high-scoring game. Uh, But if I need a play, I'm trusting somebody on the Eagles to make a play other than somebody on Minnesota, other than Kirk Cousins, to make that play. And I think Philadelphia will win this game, improve to 2-0, and 
Vikings move on to one and one, and they waste a big opportunity, uh, you know, in having a solid lead still on this division. You know, you want to keep all that ground on the Packers as you can, but they lose that big one uh, tonight against Philadelphia. Kirk Cousins doesn't show up for primetime games, and he will not be showing up uh, tonight. Now let's go on to the recap of everything that's happened in week three so far. A lot of craziness yesterday. Let's start with a Sunday night game. Rodgers rolling over the Chicago Bears uh, and company. Aaron Jones was just terrific. Uh, Last week, it was kind of puzzling. It was very bizarre that he only had eight touches the whole night, the whole game against the Vikings. But they got Aaron Jones much more involved in this game, much more involved early, because they know Aaron Jones can make plays uh, make plays in space, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, he had, you know, 15 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown just rushing the ball. Uh, but then receiving, uh, you know, he had three receptions, 38 yards, and a touchdown. And I know they like to run the ball with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon had three more carries, uh, and he had 60 less yards than A.J. Dillon. Uh, Aaron Jones had 8.8 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon had 3.4. I get why you use A.J. Dillon. He's a much more physical back, uh, a hard-to-tackle kind of guy. But to me, he doesn't have the speed that Aaron Jones possesses. Doesn't have the quickness, you know, the jump cuts that Aaron Jones uh, can make. You know, I don't see that in A.J. Dillon, at least not yet. So to me, it's very puzzling that A.J. Dillon has more carries than Aaron Jones, especially last night. It's like Aaron Jones is moving the ball well, then they bring in A.J. Dillon, and it's like two yards, three yards. I get it if you're on the goal line and you're trying to just pound it in for a yard. But if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm not trying to get too fancy with A.J. Dillon. I know what I've got in Aaron Jones. I know he's one of the best backs in the league. He proved that last night. So I don't get going constantly back to A.J. Dillon. Uh, So Aaron Jones, great performance. Aaron Rodgers, you know, looked better as well. You know, had the fumble that was sort of on him. But passing was efficient, uh, 19-25, 234 yards, two touchdowns, QBR of 61, a pass rating of 131. He looked good. He obviously has a connection there to Sammy Watkins. Uh, got Sammy Watkins involved, you know, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, uh, you know, threw the ball to everyone, Alan Lazard, but he went down uh, – Romeo Dobbs had two catches. Christian Watson had three. Uh, Robert Tunyon had two. So he's distributing the football to about everyone on the team. But as I thought, you know, beginning of the year, they're going to throw the ball less than they have in the past. They're going to run the ball a lot more. And that was clear last night. That was the formula. Uh, 25 passing attempts to 38 rushing attempts. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, when you take the sacks, uh, Aaron Rodgers had a total of 211 yards passing, whereas Green Bay as a team had 203 yards rushing. So very balanced. Uh, And then when you look at Chicago, uh, they had a great opening drive. Marched down for a touchdown right away. They were blending. Justin Fields passing. David Montgomery running. and then it all went downhill after the first drive. They didn't involve David Montgomery enough after that, I thought. And David Montgomery, I thought, had a fantastic night. 15 carries, 122 yards. Uh, but the stat line on Justin Fields, I thought, was pretty abysmal. He had seven completions last night. Seven completions on 11 attempts. You're not going to you know, really win the football game 
uh, with that style of play that the Bears have. Uh, only threw for 70 yards, uh, took three sacks. Justin Fields had a QBR of six and a passer rating of 44. So the Bears, after that first drive, went into total implosion mode. The defense uh, could not stay off the field. Bad penalties. They had an Aaron Rodgers at a second and 28, and they let him get the first down in two plays. And Chicago couldn't do anything offensively after that. So here we go again with the Packers. Like I thought, they got embarrassed last week against the Vikings. They play a divisional opponent again, however, a much worse divisional opponent, and they roll them. They get the momentum back. They try to, you know, seize it. Now they're one and one, and everything's fine. It's, you know, don't forget about it. But to me, I've still got questions, you know, in tight games. If Aaron Rodgers has to come back, does he trust those receivers outside of Sammy Watkins? Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, uh, and then the offensive line. You know, Elton Dink, Elgin Jenkins looked good yesterday, but he didn't look great. You know, allowed a sack. Uh, they were able to pressure him. You know, no Bakhtiari still on the other side. So there are still some question marks about Green Bay to me. The team's not totally fixed yet. Another big game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the New Orleans Saints, now this was a crazy game. Not much going on at all. Uh, Heading into the fourth quarter, it was 3-3. Buccaneers were shut out in the first half. Uh, And then we're going into the fourth quarter, 3-3. There's not been much action. It's very reminiscent of last year's like 10-0 game that the Bucs had or 9-0. Nothing uh, going on. Tampa Bay... You know, went for it on fourth and one early in the game. Uh, got stuffed uh, there. Leonard Fournette did bad oh, line communication and blocking up front. So now it's 3-3. Then Mike, or Tom Brady throws a pass to Scotty Miller. Uh, looked like there was some pass interference on Lattimore. So Tom Brady goes to the side to yell at the ref. Uh, Tell the ref what's up. Marshawn Lattimore turns his head, clips back to Brady. Brady already upset that game, throwing his helmet down, crushing the surface tablet. He turns around and gives Marshawn Lattimore a piece of his mind. Lattimore turns around. Him and Fournette get into a little just shoving match. And then Mike Evans, you know, he's walking to the sideline. He just comes running up and just lays out Marshawn Lattimore. Then the brawl ensues after that, and the two teams are sort of going at it from there. And at that point, it's 3-3. And then after that, uh, that's when, to me, the flip switched, and the Buccaneers really took control of that game. After that point, Mike Evans was tossed, which I thought was fine. And Marshawn Lattimore was also thrown out the game, uh, which I had no problem with to me with two main people in that brawl. But after that point, Tom Brady with just a great pass to Brashad Perryman. uh, And then, you know, three more interceptions on Jameis Winston. Two of them, Jamel Dean. One of them, uh, two great ones. And Mike Edwards had the pick six as well. 68-yard interception return. Uh, that kind of put the game away. It was 23, a late touchdown by New Orleans, made it 20-10. And Tampa Bay won this game. They broke the curse that Tom Brady can't beat New Orleans in the regular season, you know, in the, with the Bucks. But that, to me, was a great win for Tampa. To start 2-0 and with some people that, you know, could they be 1-3, and possibly 0-4 to start the season? Guess what? They're 2-0, and they have to be very pleased. They have to be pleased with their defense. Uh, To me, already playing better than they were last year. This is reminiscent of what their defense is playing with, or how they're playing, is reminiscent of their Super Bowl run. Devin White, Levante David are just flying all over the field. Uh, 
they look great. Shaq Barrett is getting off the edge, pressuring the quarterback as well. Uh, Vita Vea in the middle is great. Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield are laying people out. The defense is very stout. And Tom Brady and Miss Bucks offense, they've gone up against good defense. Cowboys much improved. Micah Parsons. Saints, one of the elite defenses in the league. And when you think about it, Julio Jones didn't play against the Saints. Neither did Godwin. And Godwin only played, you know, a few snaps in the Cowboys before he was injured. Mike Evans missed the fourth quarter of a Bucks game. Russell Gage has dealt with injuries as well. So this wide receiver corps, and not to mention Kyle Rudolph has been injured. This wide receiver corps has been very injured, but they've been running the ball well with Leonard Fournette. When they need plays with Tom Brady, he's making plays. He's still Tom Brady. When this receiver room is fully healthy, they are going to be great. Uh, so I'm not worried about the Packers. However, the Saints, you know, a week after Jameis Winston played so good coming from behind to win the game, uh, he sort of inverted, uh, reversed back to his former buck self, throwing three interceptions. And that's what Devin White said. Devin White took a shot at Jameis after the game yesterday, saying we knew what Jameis was going to do. Uh, we saw him, you know, throw 30 picks. So, you know, we knew this could happen. So a shot right there, and it's true. It's they know Jameis Winston. They know what he likes to do. You know, you throw the ball down the field to Chris Olave. It's an overthrow. It's an overthrow, an underthrow interception. And you finally get one, and Olave fumbles. But the Saints were not very clean, you know, yesterday. Offensively, they were stifled by an elite Tampa Bay defense, but they also had no Camara in. Both teams dealing with injuries. But the big ramification from this game was that fight that I mentioned, Mike Evans, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Mike Evans is suspended for a game, and to me, that's a joke. I know he was suspended in 2017 for something similar, but that's just soft. It's not like it was a sucker punch. Marshawn Lattimore saw Mike Evans coming, uh, and it wasn't, you know, to me, a malicious, it wasn't, you know, a punch and trying to take off helmets or anything like that. You know, it was just a run up, you know, lower the shoulder, you know, to the chest and kind of lay him out. It wasn't, you know, crazy and he didn't go into, you know, punch him after that or anything. That's kind of all it was. So I thought, you know, after all that, you know, fines, you know, ejections, I was good with. But to suspend Mike Evans for such a pivotal game next week against the Packers is a joke. It's soft. I don't agree with it. I thought the ejection and fine was enough. But to suspend him against, you know, the Packers, you know, the marquee opponent, that we want to see, we want to have players on the field for the Packers or for the Packers and the Buccaneers. We don't want to see Mike Evans not play. So to me, you know, I don't like that at all. I think he should be playing in that game, you know, against the Packers next week. Next up, Commanders and Lions. The Detroit Lions got their first win of the season yesterday, 36-27. to They beat the Commanders. They were up 22-0 to going into halftime, and they never really looked back after that. DeAndre Swift, you know, was great. Uh, running the ball was efficient, even though he was dealing with an ankle injury. He was also able to receive, but Amon Ross St. Brown as well had a big carry there. Had nine receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Jared Goff took much better care of a football compared to what he did the previous week. And then Carson Wentz turns the ball over. That's what he does. It showed again yesterday. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, who missed a couple tackles last week, didn't look that good, looked shaky. Much, much better this week was Aiden Hutchinson. Got after Carson Wentz, got three sacks, set the Lions single-game rookie record. Uh, with those three sacks. So the Lions look good. They were the favorite going into this game. It's, you know, could they back it up last time they couldn't? 
but this time the Detroit Lions took care of business. They looked great doing it. And then now through two weeks, uh, they are tied for the highest scoring offense with the Kansas City Chiefs. They both have scored 71 points. Now, when you mention high-scoring offense, you expect the Chiefs. But to be tied with the Chiefs for the number one scoring offense, the Detroit Lions, that's impressive. And I don't matter. To me, it doesn't matter who the opponent is uh, because it's the NFL. NFL games are tough. It's hard. There's no gimmies or layups like there are in college. Uh, Detroit played a very good Eagles team last week, got 35 points. Played a Commanders team that won last week, and Detroit scored 36 on them. So Detroit was great. Uh, To me, this really is a new, fresh start for Detroit. They're playing really well. Uh, And to me, have some winnable games coming up in the next few weeks. The Seahawks, possibly the Patriots, the Cowboys team, if no Dak. So, you know, things could be looking up for the Detroit Lions. Whereas Washington, to me, it's the same old team. This is what you're going to get, you know, when your team is an elite and you're just juggling quarterbacks and you don't have that elite talent. You're going to have five or six wins. That, to me, is the ceiling for the Washington Commanders. One of the many massive comebacks yesterday. Up next, the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. The New York Jets won 31-30 and absolutely stunned the Cleveland Browns. Uh, You know, Cleveland, you know, let's fast forward to the, the fourth quarter. You know, close game. You know, 17-17 in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then Nick Chubb and the Browns offense, you know, kind of takes over. And they're up 30-17 to 17 with a minute 55 remaining. So two-minute warning has already been played. The New York Jets are out of timeouts. So, you know, people are questioning, should Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb have just stayed in bounds? They need the game, uh, you know, they take a kneel. And they can just run the clock out and win it. You know, normally that's what I would do. And, you know, if you're up by, you know, you know, you know, three points or something like that, uh, you don't want anything crazy to happen, especially if the team has timeouts. But if I'm Nick Chubb and I'm like, if we go up by two touchdowns with a minute 55 left and they have no timeouts and a two-minute warning is passed, to me there's no shot uh, to win this game. If you are uh, them and, you know, Cleveland, you know, had a 99, uh, I think, 0.8 or 9 chance uh, to win this game, you know, after that touchdown. So it really shouldn't have happened, the Jets winning this game. But what happens? They get the ball after the Nick Chubb touchdown, you know, a couple plays into the drive, blown coverage by Cleveland. And Corey Davis gets a 66-yard pass touchdown. Uh, 30-24, you're thinking, okay, Cleveland, you know, just has to recover an onside kick. The success rate of these is, I think, lower than 10%, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, you're not expecting that. But what happens, the New York Jets recover the onside kick, and they go on to win the game 31-30. to 30. It was a great effort. Great comeback by the New York Jets. It wasn't, you know, Nick Chubb getting that final touchdown, which, you know, many assume is the nail in the coffin, the final touchdown. That was not the case yesterday. Uh, New York Jets were resilient. Joe Flacco was great in crunch time. Robert Sala had a great uh, game plan in those final two minutes. In Cleveland just imploded. Uh, And that is what Cleveland does. That was Cleveland-like things. Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield, you know, losing again. Uh, They get down early. 
And then they take the lead, very similar to last week. They're up 13-6. to six. Uh, And, you know, in the third quarter, they let the Giants come back, take the lead. Uh, Panthers tie the game with, you know, still 10 minutes left in the fourth. And the Giants get a 56-yard field goal with three minutes late left, and they end up winning the game. But Baker wasn't great. They were in field goal range. He takes a ill-advised sack, uh, you know, to lose the game there. And they had a punt get kicked out of field goal range. That hurts. Uh, Giants are 2-0 for the first time in six years. And the Carolina Panthers have only won two games since they started 3-0 and last year. So not looking very good for the Carolina Panthers for Baker. Again, Baker, QBR of 16 yesterday. That's on a scale of 1 to 100. That's not great. Passer rating of 74. Not efficient. 145 yards. Uh, one touchdown. Uh, that's not good. That's not good enough. Christian McCaffrey, I thought, had a better game than he did last week. 15 carries, 102 yards. Uh, but wasn't much of a factor in the receiving game. I thought Daniel Jones was just all right. Uh, he made some bad plays. To me, he wasn't much better than Baker. A QBR of 37, only threw for 176 yards. You know, Saquon was not as good as he was last week. Uh, but Daniel Jones uh, was my better in the closeout situation. Then Baker was, it's as simple as that, and Carolina has yet another loss to think about. Been an ugly game between the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, New England won 17-14. to 14. It was a defensive battle uh, there. Mac Jones uh, threw an interception, but he had a great pass to Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar absolutely mossing the defensive back uh, in getting the win here. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky didn't look impressive. Uh, yesterday, a QBR of 35, you know, threw an interception. Only 168 passing yards. Najee Harris, much more contained, you know, the past two weeks. Haven't seen a lot of Najee. Uh, was great in his rookie year, but so so far has kind of had a sophomore slump. So Najee, you're expecting more out of him. You know, I thought this defense wouldn't look as good uh, without T.J. Watt, but they're still very stout up front. And Mika Fitzpatrick is starting off his 22 season uh, with some great plays against Uh, both the Bengals and then yesterday against Mac Jones' interception. Uh, So the Steelers are going to have these defensive battles, uh, but the offense has to score more than 14 points if they want to win. So now the question is, Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky? And I think, you know, Mike Tomlin today is preaching patience uh, with Mitch Trubisky, but I think we just throw Kenny Pickett in, you know, to me, he's not going to play much worse than Mitch Trubisky did uh, yesterday. To me, he gives you a spark. You know what Mitch Trubisky is. That's what he's been doing uh, on a consistent basis. That's what he did against the Bengals. And if it wasn't for the great defensive performance, the Bengals probably beat the Steelers in that game. So I think it's time to ease Kenny Pickett in. Uh, maybe throw him a bone, give him a few snaps here or there because he is a dynamic athlete, and I think he's a better option for the Steelers moving forward than Mitch Trubisky. An upset I also predicted, the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Indianapolis Colts. The Jags' home win streak versus the Colts reaches eight. And not only that, it was a dominant win. It was a shutout, 24-0. The Jags beat the Colts. I thought Trevor Lawrence, highly efficient, completed 83% of his passes, 235 yards, two touchdowns. James Robinson was good. Christian Kirk efficient. Matt Ryan, helpless. Absolutely helpless. A team I picked to win the division, and then they've looked like one of the worst teams by far in the NFL. Matt Ryan, three interceptions, 195 yards, uh, total. Uh, that's terrible. That is just terrible. Jonathan Taylor, 54 yards. It's something about Jacksonville 
it doesn't matter of a coach. We've had like three uh, since the streak has happened. What it is is just a Colts culture mindset. When they head down to Jacksonville, I don't get it. Uh, I know no Michael Pittman yesterday. That hurt the Colts. That is, you know, their best wide receiver. But Matt Ryan uh, fumbling the ball. He didn't lose the fumble, but he fumbles. Uh, QT fumbled. So uh, the Colts are playing very sloppy uh, in Jacksonville. Played better. They overpowered them. Uh, and they won this game. And Colts are looking uh, almost panic time for them. Time for another comeback game. The Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins played a heck of a game uh, in the fourth quarter. Baltimore is up 35 to 21 going or 35 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. Lamar just had an 80-yard touchdown run, and I thought that was a back breaker. That was the end right there. I picked the Dolphins, and here I am, you know, kind of in shame there watching this, that, you know, the Dolphins are just getting trounced by Baltimore. But Miami wakes up in the fourth quarter. Uh, They score on four consecutive drives, four possessions, four touchdowns. Tua threw for 199 yards alone in the fourth quarter and four touchdowns. And a lot of it, came from broken coverages on Baltimore's side. Uh, you can't let Tyreek Hill get past you. You got past the defensive back. There was no safety help. Easy 60-yard touchdown. You know, had just a couple of nice throws to Tyreek. Uh, touchdown. Jalen Waddle at the end of the game. Touchdown to me. You know, Lamar played really good. 21 of 29, 318 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, continued his great play from week one, played great. To me, Tua outplayed him, obviously. Yes, he threw two interceptions, but he threw 469 yards and six touchdowns. That is rare company. Tua had a QBR of 90. Outside of those two interceptions, he was great. You know, he was Tua terrific is what he was. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are the first pair of teammates to have you know, 10-plus receptions, 170-plus yards, and two touchdowns in a, the same game. They were outstanding yesterday. Uh, but to me, the biggest indictment of this loss, it's not on Lamar Jackson. It's not really on this defense. It's on John, it's on John Harbaugh. Uh, John Harbaugh, uh, to me, is getting very close uh, to being out of a job. Uh, because he made some very, you know, very, uh, to me, dumb decisions yesterday uh, that to me are are unacceptable. Um, one of them, you know, you know, was you know you're up thirty five twenty one in the fourth quarter, and you're at the Miami forty as a fourth and one. And it's a, you know, I think a 67, it's a 57-yard field goal. Justin Tucker has got that in the bag. If you don't trust Justin Tucker, you at least pin him down. But they go for it and they don't get it uh, right there. So you give Miami a shorter field. That doesn't work. Then, you know, they get the touchdown. And then quickly Miami does. And then John Harbaugh plays much more conservative uh, after that, uh, you know, just short passes and most of them are incomplete. That's when I want to take time off the clock, but they don't. Uh, and then Miami drives down to get the ball, uh, in the end zone for a touchdown. So John Harbaugh to me, last year we saw a lot of questionable play calls, you know, at the end of games, clock management, and it cost his team, uh, six games in a row. This is a big one for John Harbaugh. Being up 35-21 or 35-14 in the fourth quarter up by 21, that's one you've got to seal away. 
that's a big game. That proves that the Dolphins are legit now. There's question marks around the Ravens, especially when you look at coming up. They got the Patriots, no easy test. Uh, the Bills, the Bengals. So, you know, Ravens, to me, that loss is on John Harbaugh. Then another win, Rams close out the Falcons. They hold them off. Uh, you know, they were up 31-10 to 10 at one point, 28-3. And the Falcons just come rolling back there at the end of the game. Uh, you know, it's 31-25 L.A. Um, they have, you know, we're driving to get the touchdown uh, to try to take the lead. And Jalen Ramsey makes a great interception. Uh, and But I really don't want to hear um, anything. Jalen Ramsey was hyped after the game, you know, saying, I'm him. He was, you know, going crazy uh, that he intercepted the ball. Um, like it was some great, yes, it was kind of a game ceiling interception there. But come on, bro. Nobody on the Falcons is elite. What does Jalen Ramsey do? Jalen Ramsey makes plays against opponents. He should make plays. The lesser, you know, teams, you know, that's when he, you know, puts it together. And that's when he talks trash. He talks trash when he's front running, uh, when he's playing a bad opponent. And the Falcons, a lowly team. He doesn't talk trash against the good teams like the Bills, who dominated him last week. You know, Mike Evans, who got a touchdown on his head, Debo multiple times. He doesn't talk like that when he has those matchups because he gets mossed. He doesn't play well. So, you know, I don't want to hear any more from Jalen Ramsey at all. Uh, He's not that guy. I'm glad you made a play against the Falcons because it's been a while since you've made a play, uh, you know, dating back to the last year. So, you know, make your play. Stop talking because you're not that guy. You're not him. You're not the best corner in the league. You're burnt toast, and you just need to stop, Jalen. Just stop. Then a big injury, Trey Lance in the 49ers. Uh, 49ers won the game 27-7. But the big deal was Trey Lance getting injured early in the game. Uh, you know, broken, fractured ankle. Hate to see it. I thought Trey Lance was going to be great. I thought he had, a, you know, a good first couple drives there. But just a terrible tackle uh, or it wasn't a dirty tackle, but just an awkward tackle with two Seattle defenders on his leg uh, that caused the injury. And, you know, hate to see it for Trey Lance. I hope he recovers, uh, you know. But moving on to the 49ers, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo came in there and was poised in the pocket uh, through 154 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the guys were, you know, super happy uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo celebrating afterwards uh, with him. You know, I think with Jimmy G in the pocket, there's a sense of familiarity, uh, comfortability uh, back there. That there wasn't yet with Trey Lance. And San Francisco knows we're a team that wants to win now. We're in a win-now mode. Uh, with Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. George Kittle come back. Jimmy G has a connection there. To me, this offense looked much more efficient with Jimmy G operating back there. And it just proves that, hey, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were wise not to cut Jimmy G or trade him yet uh, for nothing. It's rework his contract, let him come back for a year. And now we, you know, our season isn't over because Trey Lance got injured. It's, hey, we have a guy that just took us to the NFC Championship game. Oh, and now he's back starting. So that helps out the 49ers. I like it. I like the 49ers moving forward with Jimmy G. Uh, to me, I'm much more confident 
in the 49ers and their ability, what they can do. Uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell is still going to be out around two months, uh, but he'll come back uh, late November, and I can see them making um, some noise. Uh, but until then, I think Jimmy G can definitely hold down the fort uh, with this 49ers team. Then there was an ugly win, and that was the Bengals and the Cowboys. Cowboys won 20-17 to on a last-second field goal by Brett Mayer. And Cooper Rush outplayed Joe Burrow. So let's put it into perspective. Joe Burrow is still getting hit a ton. Seven sacks last week, six this week. His offensive line that the Cincinnati has retooled, replaced, drafted, just spent a lot of money on this offseason because they know Joe Burrow couldn't take that punishment. What happens? The line looks just as bad. Uh, that can't happen. Quarterback can't have, you know, no time to throw the football. You know, they've got to be better. Uh, I think they will get better because it is a more talented offensive line than it was last year. To me, it's just a matter of more reps. Uh, but we are getting very close, at least I am, to the Cincinnati panic button. Because, you know, when you can't run block, you can't pass block, that takes a toll on the offense when Joe Mixon's not doing Joe Mixon-like things. Neither is Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase. Uh, Joe Burrow fumbling the football. It's not good. The defense, again, played well against Dallas. Uh, but Joe Burrow and the offensive line, they've got to be a little better because they're 0-2 now, and they're playing a Jets team who they actually lost to last year. So that's a big game for Cincinnati. You start 0-3, uh, you're kind of in the biggest hole you can get. 0-2 is not good. Cowboys got this win. Congratulations, Cooper Rush. Last year came into relief and beat Kirk Cousins, now he beat Joe Burrow. The Cowboys have a bit more confidence. So that Monday night game next week against the Giants is a bit more intriguing. And we'll see uh, how this goes. But Cincinnati, bad loss yesterday. To me, if you can have a bad win as well, it's the Denver Broncos. Uh, their offense was sloppy, sloppy, sloppy yesterday. Only won 16-9. to the Texans were up 9-6 to six going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought, no way is Russell Wilson and the Broncos going to lose this game. Russell Wilson did not look good there at the beginning. Had a bad interception. Uh, you know, he's not doesn't seem as elusive as he used to be. Uh, Javante Williams, you know, just had an average day. So did Melvin Gordon. Uh, I thought Cortland Sutton was great, but he was the only one really involved. Jerry Judy down early, uh, and no one other than Cortland Sutton had more than two receptions. In fact, you know, Cleveland had two receptions and everybody else just had the one. Not a good day for Russell Wilson. Uh, maybe the Texans are a bit more promising than what I thought they were going to be because uh, the Texans almost uh, pulled off a win here. And then there was Russell's first home game. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't want to turn the page fully on Russell Wilson. Uh, but so far in two games, a small sample size, it's not working out. Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett are not a fit. And I think some of it has to be shouldered by Russell Wilson. But I also think a great deal has to be shouldered uh, by Nathaniel Hackett as well. Uh he kind of looks in over his head as a head coach, um, and they have to get some things fixed because they're going up against an elite coach next week in Kyle Shanahan, and the San Francisco 49ers are much more rounded, well-run team, uh, and Denver's got to play better uh, if they expect to beat the 49ers next week. And then the last NFL game was another wild game come from behind. Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Another one I could not believe. I thought the Raiders were going to win this game. And I felt very confident when it was 20-0 going into halftime. I thought it was it for the Cardinals. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's done. Kyler Murray, uh, it's over. Just, you know, this season could be a full implosion. Uh, But Arizona gets a quick strike. Then uh, the Raiders answer with a field goal. So in the fourth quarter, it's 23-7. And I'm still thinking that the Raiders are in a good spot. But Murray magic happens. Kyler Murray, uh, you know, looks like Houdini back there in the backfield just evading, disappearing from every defender that tries to bring him down, uh, extending plays, excellent two-point conversion where he was running for like 20 seconds back there, like 80 total yards he ran. It was tremendous. Uh, Then, you know, with no time left, Kyler Murray kind of did the same thing, a three-yard scamper that, you know, felt like 15 seconds and you know, ran for 50 yards around the field before he finally got it, had to get the two again, and they did it. So great resilience there. Then in overtime, Cardinals get it. They don't do anything with it. They give it back to Las Vegas. And Isaiah Simmons, you know, gets uh, Renfro from behind, Renfro from fumbles, but Las Vegas recovers and they're in field goal range. So at that time, I'm thinking, hey, Raiders are just going to run this ball try to get some more yards, get up to a more comfortable distance for Daniel Carlson. And they throw the ball back to Hunter Renfro, and Isaiah Simmons just hits him clean, causes a fumble, Byron Murphy, 59-yard scoop and score, and the Cardinals win this game, and I thought it was almost impossible for them to come back and win this one. They did not play football for six quarters, and then they played for two, and somehow it came out and won this game. Murray, second half, was just electric. But I want to see if he keeps it up. He looked hobbled there at the end, looked I want to see if he keeps it up. This offense, you can clearly tell, is missing DeAndre Hopkins. They need him back sooner than later. But, of course, that's a fixed suspension uh, due to the PED suspension. So he ain't coming back before week seven. And then on the Raiders' side, just abysmal in the second half. And to me, the biggest thing is Devontae Adams had seven targets and two catches. A lot of those were bad throws, uh, too, from Derek Carr. One of them was almost, again, intercepted. Devontae Adams wide open, and Derek Carr just could not get him the football. Devontae Adams, to me, is the best wide receiver in football. Looked like at week one. And... Only seven targets, two catches for Devontae. It's, uh, it's unacceptable. It can't happen. Hollins, eight targets, five receptions. Hunter Renfro, he's a good slot receiver. But he's not that guy. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not that dude. Darren Waller, great tight end. And, you know, you just got to give it to Devontae. you got a four-seed Devontae like uh, Aaron Rodgers does because Devontae's going to go up and make a play. Now, if Derek Carr doesn't trust his ability to get Devontae the football in some situations, then that's an indictment on Derek Carr itself, and that's a Derek Carr problem. Uh, so, to me, Derek Carr gets a lot of blame for not throwing a ball to Devontae. He's a quarterback, but Mike McDaniel's got to call up a better game plan there. Uh, to win this game. Now they're off 0-2 in the toughest division in football. Uh, And now I'm also starting to panic about the Las Vegas Raiders there. So that's it with the NFL. Just my quick reaction to the AP poll. Oregon, Washington, Penn State, big movers because of big wins they had. Oregon blew the brakes off of BYU. BYU is undefeated. Oregon looked great. Washington beat Michigan State. To me, that was very surprising. And then Penn State went into Auburn, Jordan-Hare Stadium. Tough place to play. And Penn State rolled them up and rolled them out. So big wins there. To me, those are my three biggest 
wins of the week. But now real college football is starting. It's conference play for most teams. A few cupcakes are going to be here and there from here on out. But a bulk of the teams is not going to have it easy. So this has been get your, this has been unbothered. Titans Bills tonight. I'm rolling with the Titans. Nervous about this than I was in previous years, and I'm going with Philly and the Eagles over Kirk Cousins. Talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.